Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. We got to vote for Eric. Man for you and me. We all trust in Eric. Future trustee. If you want to see the candy stripe back in the promised land, you best just vote for Eric because I know who As who's your man? Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. How are you, my friend? You know, Ward, I'm doing good. It is June 8th, which means we're eight days into the trustee election. That's like 23% of the whole thing. Whoa, that was some quick math. That was some quick math. I'm impressed. Is that the actual number? Were you just putting that out there? Do you want me to look in my phone? Do do eight divided by 30. Okay. I have got the calculator open. Eight divided by 30 equals... 26, 27%. It was a plus or minus 3%. So you're good. You're good. I went I went the wrong side of 25 is what I'm d- disappointed about. Well, look, it's been fun so far. We've been releasing our endorsement videos, epfortrustee.com slash vote. If you have not voted yet, all you have to do is go to epfortrustee.com. You can hit a button right on the front page that takes you to the voting portal or epfortrustee.com forward slash vote will take you directly there been fun been getting a lot of good comments from wait people. wait yeah. wait you said that with such confidence yeah. did you look up to make sure that's uh-huh. forward slash no often wrong never in doubt <laughs> no just going for it so the feedback has been pretty overwhelming uh i it's been humbling truthfully and flattering the number of people on twitter that follow us at hoosier hysterics for the hysterics no e no i but the sometimes why you really dragged that one out i thought you were dragging it out we must have a lag today just when it comes to that we have a lag <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh so the response on twitter has been amazing the response the response on pigs has been amazing except for a couple haters couple haters There's you know who haters. you are by the way one of the haters on pigs the username is i believe major bag alert Uh, no it's the major d bag alert yes that but it's not right it's just major bag alert in my mind it's the major d bag alert. it's so true i don't know why he would name himself that every time his name pops up you know a major d bag's about to post something (laughs) and no more no more airtime for major d bag fair enough um i do want to talk about one thing kind of serious so look The people that listen to our podcast, the vast majority, the people that follow us on Twitter, they get us. 
and they get that we're having fun with the campaign and we're doing it in a non-conventional way, but they also understand how much we both love Indiana and how much we both want this because we want to do something that isn't just shouting in the wind. We want to be part of the decision-making process at Indiana on big picture items, and I'm going to take it very seriously. But someone did send me an ad that one of our adversaries is running. And it's a very serious ad. I, I was wondering if any of the opponents were running ads. I don't know how many, and I don't know the extent to which it's happening, but someone, do, should I say the name or should I just comment on the thing? I just, I just comment on the thing. You don't want to give them any extra name recognition at the ballot box. So here's the ad that one of our adversaries is running. And I quote, this is the first line of the ad. And really, it's the only part I'm going to focus on. Our future challenge will be to operate an academic institution like a business. I'm going to stop there. Because I didn't need to read anything else. Because I vehemently disagree with that sentiment. And I'm sure he's got his own reasoning for why saying that, and I'm sure he can spin it. But a public state university, like Indiana is, is not a business. A business has one major priority, maximize profit. That is the point of running something like a business. Cut costs, increase revenue, maximize profit. That is not the job of Indiana University. And my feeling as a trustee would be that if anybody is approaching it like that, they are totally ass backwards. Because you know what that means, Ward, to approach it like a business? Here's what you would do. Stop letting in in-state kids. Focus on out-of-state kids. Focus on China and the Philippines and Europe and other countries and get the maximum dollar you can for every student who shows up at Indiana University. You know what else you would do? You would try to figure out a way, if you were running it like a business, you would figure out a way to charge the maximum amount you could for tuition while providing the least amount of cost for you. So why invest in better professors? Why invest in better facilities to help the education of the people that you bring in if you're running it like a business. That is, and, and I've been doing a lot of reading on this, this is the problem with academics overall, higher learning, overall, this is the problem. The costs for college in tuition have skyrocketed multiple times what the rate of inflation or the cost of living has been over the last 30 years. It's out of control. And colleges have huge endowments, many of them. Instead of pouring money back in to make college affordable and accessible for people, they are treating it more like a business. And that has huge negative impact on what they should be doing, which is Indiana shouldn't be being run by a, like a business. Its primary goal should be to provide the best possible education to best prepare its students for life after college. Affordably. Oh, yes. I, accessible. That's what I mean by accessible. Make it as, as accessible as you can 
to the num most number of people that you want to be in Indiana. And in Indiana, there should be a priority on in-state kids. It's the state university. Tax yeah. dollars go to the university from Period. the in-state people. The yep. priority should be there. Now, look, I wasn't an in-state kid. I loved Indiana and we paid you know, a, a premium to be that. But the idea that you would want to take an institution of public education and turn it into a business is so misguided, in my opinion, that that should disqualify anybody who thinks that way from running, from being a trustee at Indiana. My goal in Indiana will be to make decisions that make Indiana as accessible, like you said, affordable, and the best possible education for that goal. That's it. Not to make not to make it so that there's money left over for pet projects that don't do said goal. And that is what the priority of an institution of higher learning should be. And so when I saw that, it really bothered me because if you want somebody who thinks of running Indiana like a business, I'm not your guy. I will not be running it like a business. I have a day job. In my day job, we run things like a business. I have a budget for a television show. I'm going to sell a television show. I'm trying to create the most revenue I can for that television show to create the most money for the studio and the production company that produces it, you know, and for myself. That's the goal of that business, because it's a business. College and a public state university is not that. And if you are starting with that as your mindset, everything is fruit from a poisonous tree after that. And it really kind of angered me when I read it and thought, all right, well, people, there have been some people out there who want me to get serious and want to know a little bit more of where I stand. Well, there's where I stand on that. I think... That's a great platform so far as that goes. I think anybody, we know who they are. They know who they are, though they're probably not listening to this because the people who are spouting off about you not taking it serious or you not getting into detail on some of your priorities beyond getting the basketball team back to the final four, <laughs> they, they just haven't been paying attention. They're just, they just haven't been listening to you here or other platforms, you know, whether it be dockage assembly call it's, it's, it's all out there. You've put it out there repeatedly often really over the last couple of months. So I sort of feel like anybody, a Johnny come lately coming along and being like, burr, 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 burr. they, they haven't gone past the beard in all honesty and you know hey that's that's their loss hopefully they got educated a little bit by fellow peaksters but i think uh, they are in the minority as far as uh, if you are going to actually vote for the board of trustees you are more engaged and you have a greater awareness of of everything iu probably including yourself in this campaign than the average person just strolling by on the internet there is one other topic I wanted to bring up, if you don't mind, to Please. talk about as it comes to the trustee. For those of you who follow us on Twitter, you probably saw that on day two of the election, we released an endorsement video from Indiana's own Mark Cuban, who uh, was just so generous and gracious to have some fun with us and do uh, that video for us. Well, but they, they know that it wasn't because we paid him they know there's no amount of money we could pay him that would have made it worth even 30 seconds of his time that's exactly right i do want to though bring up something that mark and i have discussed and 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 kind of gone back and forth on a little bit that was something that he brought up that is just so perfect he talked about you know he was focused on athletics as well 
And he was like, look, the, a differentiating factor in the coming years for Indiana when it comes to recruiting for all sports and for getting the people that we want to be at the highest levels of each sport that we can be is name image likeness. That's mm -hmm. coming. And I'll give Indiana some credit on this. Scott Dolson has been a big advocate for NIL. They signed the agreement with the company Open Doors, which has been a leader in figuring out how they're going to help student athletes maximize their potential with name, image, and likeness monetization. But this is something that's near and dear to my heart. I mean, I, I you know, am part of the advisory board for Indiana University Athletics on name, image, likeness. I think because of my experience with social media, both not just from Hoosier Hysterics, but also on my day job and how we use that to market and monetize, that Indiana thought that that could be somewhat helpful to them. But there is a whole world that is unfolding that Indiana could be a leader on. Besides name, image, and likeness, we're talking about NFT sales. And I know that those are somewhat convoluted and complicated, but- What, what, what the hell's an NFT sale? NFT stands for non-fungible token. And basically it is any asset that exists digitally that someone can sell and it's a one-off. Non-fungible means it's like non-duplicatable and it can't be sold. That's just what it is. It's okay. one-off. So for example, and this may be a bad example, but to try to make it somewhat tangible, remember the great YouTube clip that one of the most popular YouTube clips of all time with Charlie, he bit my finger. Of course. Right? Everybody yeah. knows that one. Great accent, by the way. Thanks. Well, Eric does accents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, recently, that video was sold as an NFT, which means they held an auction and the highest bidder got that video, owned it outright, which means it's nowhere else to be found once, once you do that. And it sold for like $700,000. I mean, Remarkable. it's crazy. Now, I don't know who bought it exactly, and I don't know what the use case is for what they're going to do with it, but these kinds of things are being used in sports now highlight packages, exclusive interviews, exclusive access. There are direct implications for how Indiana University and its athletes could sell NFTs of various things and enrich themselves in some way without it being like, you know, them doing a personal services contract with a company where they're doing 50 commercials in a year. But right. these NFTs are here to stay it's part of name, image, and likeness. And Indiana should be the leader in this. We can be. We're a huge state university. We have athletes across every single sport you can imagine. And we have great athletes. I mean, look, we had Lily King on the show. Imagine mm -hmm. Lily King during a name, image, and likeness era where she's an Olympian and she can help create her brand using social media and monetize it. And guess what, guys? There's people out there I know who hate the idea of college athletes monetizing, but it's happening. The NCAA is going to approve it. A couple of states have already passed laws to allow it. So we can turn a blind eye to it, but if we do as a university, we will simply lose recruits. Well, and just look at it this way. How many people have to hold a job in college to pay their way through college? You know, and student athletes do not have time for that. Their athletics is more than a full-time job in addition to their studies. And if the whole point of college is to get you ready to go survive in a world where you're gonna have to pay rent and buy food, 
why not allow them to to double up if you will and and to, to me anybody whose mode of thinking is that outdated just needs to go away yeah you or know go away and just get out of the way because all yeah. it's going to do is hold us back it's happening it's yeah. happening around us and there's going to be schools that are really good at it and it's going to be used in the recruiting process for come to us we have an established infrastructure we will help you and in the end we want the best players and recruits from all sports to come to indiana indiana could and should be a leader in this and what I want to say about my role in this is clearly, if I am trustee, I will have some voice that I do not have right now. But also, I'm not the expert in it. But I do, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I do eagerly seek out the people that are. Mark Cuban is an expert in digital and social media and how to monetize on the digital side. He's really into the cryptocurrency and understands how that all works. And that's all tied into this. And if I'm trustee of Indiana, I want to bring in not just the people that have direct Indiana connections like Mark Cuban to come in and help us, help educate us so that we can make decisions that clear the decks, if you will, for us to build a runway to being the leader here, but being, bringing in people who are the, the great thinkers and, and the, lead, the thought leaders on higher education. For example, there's a guy named Scott Galloway. Anybody can go out and, and Google him. Scott Galloway is a professor at NYU. He's done work with Miami, and he has become this huge thought leader on YouTube and social media on all things business and what is going on with capitalism in America in 2021. And he does focus in on higher education often. He also focuses in on big tech, but he's got really interesting things to say about higher education. He should be coming to the board to speak. We should be inviting him in and getting him to say, hey, what would you do at Indiana University? And my job, my, my goal, if I'm lucky enough to be voted in, will be to pursue these people to bring in knowledge beyond the four walls of the Board of Trustees room so that we're bringing in the best and the brightest to help shape our decisions for Indiana. And I just wanted to throw that out there as a, uh, another thing that, that I'm excited about. Well, and I think what Scott Dolson was talking about as he became AD was about Indiana being ahead of the curve, looking yes. to the future, not just trying to catch up, but trying to to pass and stay ahead of so much of our competition. And the fact that you and the other folks Scott brought in to start tackling the name, image, and likeness well in advance of it actually being passed. And I don't know, maybe you've heard something I haven't now that we're getting uh, past the, the COVID thing. Is the NCAA actually going to hit the green light on this stuff? Who knows when they'll end up doing that, but just the idea that this has already been in the works for the last year. So when the green light comes, it's all systems go, but it, it can't just be for this right now. That's just gotta be the mindset of Scott, of the president and the board of trustees in everything, thinking ahead, bringing in the experts, getting the absolute best ideas and advice, and then taking decisive action. I have no doubt you will take decisive action once you hear from folks of this caliber. And the last thing I'll, I'll put a pin in this, it was announced last week that Indiana Board of Trustees voted eight to one to raise tuition next year. They raised it 1%, which is a little over $100 a person. Unequivocally, I would have voted against it, period. We're coming out of a pandemic and Indiana wants to cry poverty. 
I'm sorry. They don't get to cry poverty when they just also during COVID announced that they raised $3.8 billion on their bicentennial fundraising campaign. The working mom, the dad working two jobs that would love to send their kid to Indiana and now has to pay another hundred bucks per, per year for it. Guess what? That hurts. That hurts. When people are living paycheck to paycheck or we're tacking on more student debt, it hurts. And there are competitors in our state like Purdue that haven't raised tuition in damn near a decade. Mm-hmm. And we continue to raise it. I would have voted against it, period. Uh, and, and it requires some out of the box thinking because- well, and, uh, and the the only other person who did vote against it was the student representative. Yeah. And it to me just shows a total disconnect from the trustees and the reality on the ground for the majority of people that are attending Indiana University, where a hundred bucks more a year or any penny more per year is just not what we need right now at Indiana University. And again, I mean, I would have voted for a 1% tuition decrease to say to everybody, we know it was hard. We know that many of you are out of jobs. We know that many of you didn't get the number of hours that you normally get in the last year. And we're gonna make attending Indiana University a little easier. And you know what? If we have to launch a new campaign to go out to our donors and say to them, listen, we're not going to build a new building. We're not building a new school. We're not adding professors. What this campaign is for is to blunt the need for increasing tuition. I would be on the forefront of working with whoever I would need to work with at the foundation to make that happen. Because that will go a lot further right now than raising a bunch of money to build a new school. And I wanna build new schools at Indiana and I wanna build new facilities, but we also have to keep tuition in check and we haven't done a good enough job with it. We've done better than some, but not as good as we should be. All right, it's too with, serious. With, with I mean, just the, the fervor, the fire, the seriousness in which you are approaching this campaign you are actually campaigning. You're in the middle of the campaign. The only way you can keep it up is because you're powered by This time you'll put it in. I will put it in this time. I did put it in. They just heard it. They're hearing this, but I definitely think we needed to call me out for not putting it in last time. And a special shout out to Straight No Chaser as always for providing us with that amazing uh, Pig siren call. Will they will they perform at your inauguration? <laughs> <laughs> Just a parade down Kirkwood. <laughs> I love it. We did get an endorsement from Switchyard Brewery, so I do want to give them a special shout out. They put out a, a nice endorsement. They did say, however, that they are against the beard shaving, but if it were to happen, they want it to happen live at Switchyard. Well, I think what's what's going to be hilarious, let's say when you win, because I'm an optimist. Yeah, sure and you shave the beard 
and the beard, which has become so iconic over the last 13, 14 months, the beard, which is not once, but twice on a billboard outside of Bloomington right now, you'll shave that bastard off when you win and nobody will have any idea who you are. That's that's the plan. So all the crazy <laughs> shit I said over the last year, I'm like, who was that guy? <laughs> it was Tevya, man. He's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get into some basketball talk. Because it's the big- month of June. There's going to be a lot of stud basketball players rolling into Bloomington. And let's hope they have the same reaction as Scoop Bates and his family had because they love themselves some Bloomington. They, it's just, how prideful does it make you when you read that from Scoop and his dad? What what it does is it validates, right? Because I didn't go to another college. I don't know how many other schools have this, have that. All I know is I think Bloomington is the most magical place on earth with the most magical campus at the most magical school. And nobody can convince me otherwise, but to have a family come in and none of them had ever been to Bloomington before and they'd already committed. So they didn't really, you know, they didn't have to say this, that, or the other to try to keep fans, you know, kind of happy thinking that maybe they'll end up going there. No, they committed before they saw any of this. So totally playing with house money. I believe the quote was super exceeded, exceeded, super exceeded Tamar's um, expectations. And everything his family said was along those same lines. Like, well, we heard it was great. The zoom tour was pretty cool, but holy shit, this place is amazing. And seeing pictures of him and Logan at village Delhi, you know, like just the video of them moving into evolve, which looks real different from the dorm. I lived in my freshman year, not real enough, different, not enough black mold for me, but to each their own. Yeah. To each their own. Look, it, black mold creates character and toughness. Yes, and and tissue scarring. Yeah, and long-term <laughs> medical uh, consequences. Um, the other thing that came out this last week that I am super stoked by is we're hitting the beach in August, baby. Indiana's doing a foreign trip to the Bahamas, August 13th and 15th. They're playing some foreign team in two games, but it gives Mike Woodson his first shot at getting on the court with the entire team for 10 additional full practices and two games against what you know high level competition really solid competition and the competition's great um but it, it's that practice it's 10 days of those guys getting to know each other their coach their system it's such an advantage before they get into the the regular practice season if you will i i am upset it won't be televised. I know they never are, but in this day and age, clearly it could be televised. Well, Ward, this hysteric is going to the Bahamas. I, I know, but that doesn't help me. No, it does, because you know, I will be videotaping as much as they legally allow. Well, this, like, this I will be throwing clips of games up. I'll be doing practices, walkthroughs, who's in the hotel. I mean, I will be inappropriately accessible when it comes to the footage here's what i need for you to do is to bring a tripod 
Mm. And and during the games, just let it roll. Just get yourself a good angle. I don't want you to have to do camera work. So if you can do a good wide angle, that would be okay. Maybe a third of the way up. Now you might be asking too much. I'll see if Board Ward can man the tripod. Because there you Board go. Ward, Ward is unable to go to the trip, but Board Ward will be joining. How does Holly feel about that? Well, we have talked about sleeping arrangements, and she's not too excited that Board Ward, I mean, he has to sleep in the bed. There's only one bed. Yeah, that's weird. I, I'm with her on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants. Why, why don't you just have Board Ward in the closet that's just cracked open a little bit looking out? his eye looking out? <laughs> yeah. That's even creepier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so I am super excited for that. And look, you and I have talked to some former players um, the idea that like this is a bonding trip and it brings people together. I think that that, depending on who you talk to, that's either no part of it whatsoever and that that gets overstated or it's a big part of it. And look, I'm going to lean on this. It surely can't hurt. Right. And we all just watched the big trip documentary about the Bob Knight team of 1984 going on or 85, right? 85. 85. And all of those players talk about how that really set the foundation for what was to happen in 1987. And this is Mike Woodson's first time being around the whole team, you know, in a, in a competitive basketball setting. We have so many newcomers to this team with Parker Stewart and Xavier Johnson and um, Logan Duncombe and Miller Kopp and Tamar Bates. I mean, you basically have a, a, a potential starting five that didn't play a second for Indiana last year. So they never played with any of these guys last year. The whole offense and defensive strategy is changing. And anybody who ever went on like a camp to a camp or went to a basketball camp for a few days or a retreat or a camping trip, you know that the group of people you go with in short stints, you do form this weird relationship with them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I would show up at YMCA camp, Camp Tecumseh, outside of beautiful Monticello, Indiana. That's and name. that's a weird name. At the Camp Tecumseh? Tecumseh. He was a great warrior. All right. I, and if, if if you want to talk about Tecumseh, we can. But that, that's all. Yeah, yeah. You do, but you just don't know you do. But that's a different show. Sure. On this show, it was about after one week of these kids who I'd never met before, I would like cry at the end of the week right. because we had grown so close because you're out of your natural environs. And what do you have? You have the people around you. And I think it's inevitably something that draws you closer as a team. I think, you know, they could say, oh, that helped us 1% or 5%, but whatever, you're going to show back up in Bloomington, getting ready for the season to really get going and already feel like the, this is the fam where we we've already all been together and now we're going home to take care of business. And as a fan, we don't have to wait till November for games. And you're right. It sucks that it won't be televised, but there will be plenty of reports out of it on who looked good, who performed well, how did the team look, what does the offense look like, are we playing fast, are we playing four out, one in, what does the three-point shooting look like, what's Woody like on the sidelines, what's the body language of the guys like, all that stuff that we obsess about and we usually don't get till November, we get in the summer in the yeah. Bahamas. And yeah. that is just so exciting. And I... I really give 
Scott Dolson and Mike Woodson and the staff credit for making this happen and making it a priority to do in his first year. You're only allowed to do one every four years, but there, there is no better time for Mike Woodson and this team to do it. So I'm just so excited. And, you know, I'm going to throw my phone into a lot of people's faces, asking them to talk to us. So we'll see what happens. Well, at least there won't be as many masks on those faces as there were. Not that there were that many in Tampa, let's be honest. But uh, it's going to be great for everybody to go. And, you know, just that traveling is a thing again now for, for a lot of people. That that's another just sign that everything's coming up roses in Bloomington. And, and uh, we should all feel really good. I mean, look, the only thing that's going to happen between now and that trip is a couple of stud, maybe three stud guys will commit to the university in the class of 2022. Um, But then to be able to take that and just have all that uh, chum in the water for us fans to just chew on to get us through November, because November does seem so far away right now. Like with football, it's like a hundred days from the first game and you can start counting it down. I think but, we're under 90 now for football. Uh, oh, I was thinking that the Colts just posted. Oh. It's like, like, it's probably like 97 days till their season opener, but you're like, okay, I can make that. I've got the NBA playoffs for a while. Then there's going to be a gap, but I can get there. But to know that's coming in August is a good relief for all of us, even though uh, we won't be watching it to hear about it from you. I'm assuming somebody from the Peag staff will be down there giving us the play-by-play. Maybe all of them. They're probably all going to go. Yeah, good work trip. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's what's going legal to be- down there? Cuban cigars. Uh, well, yeah, it's, I mean, those laws against Cuban cigars have certainly stopped you here. So you're really going to go get crazy <laughs> down there. I'm sure. Oh, I can't wait. I, I just can't wait. Um, look a week from today, I believe the official visits start for Justin Taylor and Kyle Filipowski. I'm surprised you're not flying back for those. <laughs> <laughs> Coming this weekend, I think is Jeremy fears or in the next couple of days. Jeremy Fears, 2023 stud point guard from Joliet, Illinois, who plays for La Lumiere. And uh, and brief visitor of Twitter spaces when the Hoosier hysterics are on. That's true. And we didn't bring this up on the last podcast. Let's remind people. Tonight, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, go to Twitter. F- make sure you follow us. And if you follow us, you'll see an icon pop up on the top of your screen that says, we are live. What, what did you come up with the name to call it? I forget. Uh, uh, his, his, ha, Hoosier, uh, no, hind, hind, Hindsight, Hysterics Hindsight. Hoosier Hysterics Hindsight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. On- I don't know if I love that, though. It's just the alliteration. Hindsight with the Hysterics? It's a little hysterics better. Hysterics Hindsight. Hysterics Hindsight, sure. All right, we'll go with that. 8 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter. Go to it, follow us. You'll see an icon, you click on it, and we're going to have a conversation where we talk about all things IU. We take questions, comments. Sometimes we have special guests. So far, we've been very lucky on who's popped in and out. Last week, I mean, last week, Dr. Bates joined the spaces from a table at Little Zagreb's while he was on an official visit with Scoop and the entire coaching staff. (laughs) So I don't know where you can get that kind of access other than hysterics, hindsight on Twitter spaces. 
So 5 p.m. today, we'll talk about this podcast that we're rolling out right now and everything else IU. And holy hell, Ward, what we have today. We got him. We finally got him. It it took his team to go into a total meltdown state, a total fire sale, which they hadn't planned on doing, but circumstances beyond their control, <clears throat> James Harden. Uh, it, it, it The only good thing that worked out of that situation is that this gentleman finally had time to join us on the show because Lord knows we've been wanting them since we came up with the idea of the show. Without question. And we talked about it not too long ago. You said on one of our reasonable rabbis, the best player at Indiana University in the modern era, which we considered to be from 2000 on. And uh, you, you would almost want to say the best player from Indiana University. There's an argument to be made his time there. He was also the best while he was there. But in terms of also what has occurred since, all in all, just the best basketball player the university churned out since Bobby Knight left. There you go. So we couldn't be more excited to let you hear this. He made time for us. Uh, I think we just let him get at it. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been waiting long enough. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know what we do here, but this week it is extra special. This is a gentleman we have been wanting to get on the show from day one. And today's the day. Eric, who do we have? Hailing from Indianapolis, Indiana, where he attended North Central High School, where all he did there was win Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana in 2007. He was named Gatorade National Player of the Year 2007, McDonald's High School All-American 2007, First Team Parade All-American 2007, Jordan Brand All-American 2007, where we're going to get into that game because he had a show out game with Michael in the house against Michael's son, but we'll get into that in a little bit. 2008 All-American first freshman ever at Indiana University to earn All-American honors. IU and Big Ten records for points as a freshman. He has the 10th best scoring season of all time at Indiana in his one year at IU. And by the way, that's also the 16th best scoring season in the Big Ten his one time, his one year. He is the first freshman at IU to average more than 20 points a game, and he led the Big Ten in scoring at 20.9 points a game. He, this is amazing. So he has one year, he averaged 20.9 points a game. That average is the fourth highest average ever at Indiana University. <laughs> Even though he played only one season, he's still in the top 100 of all-time scorers at Indiana. And he his wrist was hurt. Yes, and his wrist was hurt. He made <laughs> right. 231 free throws. Guess who made more in one season than that? Don Schlunt. That's it. <laughs> Don Schlunt. 10th all-time free throw percentage at 83.4. First team All-Big Ten. Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Candidate for Wooden and Naismith Player of the Year Award. He was then drafted seventh in the lottery by, at the time, my Los Angeles Clippers. I was a big fan. Season tickets because of this gentleman. He then played for the New Orleans Hornets and the New Orleans Pelicans. He then went on where he is right now with the Houston Rockets. By my count, He's cashed in $140 million plus of career earnings. I just want to see his face when I say that. Look, he doesn't even <laughs> look there. A little smile. A little smile. All right. NBA All 
uh, all-rookie second team. He played and won the gold medal in the world championships in 2010, NBA sixth man of the year 2017, three-point champion 2017. My God, one of the greatest who ever wore the candy stripes. Please welcome Eric Gordon. Thanks for having me, guys. Woo! Okay. Well, when you hear that whole list, does anything, any one thing stand out to you the most? I'll say the one thing that stands out was, um, was the winning a gold medal. Uh, to me, that's one of the things that I definitely dreamed of. And, you know, it's hard to make that USA team, you know, during that time you're talking about, they, they only considered, you know, some of the top players to ever play, you know, to play on those kinds of teams. And, I had to work to get there, and uh, that was definitely a, a major accomplishment where I felt like, man, I've, I've done okay with myself. <laughs> I made that team. <laughs> well, while we're on that, let's just hit that 2010 championship sure. team since we're there. I was going through it. Kevin Durant, Derek Rose, Chauncey Billups, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, Tyson Chandler, Rudy G I mean, it, that team is staggering, the amount of talent on it. But what is even more amazing that I found out reading, not a single returning member from the 2008 Olympic team was on that team. It was an entirely new team that you had to figure out how to play together. And we all know the world competition stage is as good as it's ever been, better than it's ever been. What was that experience like for you, Eric? You were such a young NBA player at the time, surrounded by this talent. Well, we all knew we were young, and but we all wanted to prove ourselves. But the best thing about that was everybody was willing to buy in with one another and, uh, you know, play for Coach K, and everybody was just willing to buy in. It wasn't like we all had egos, and the main accomplishment was to win. Of course, we wanted all to do well. The practices was much harder than the games when we went against each other, so that was the best experience about it. And uh, we just look forward to, to, to winning, and that's what we did. And uh, nobody thought we were, were going to win that since we were all young. Well, and I know you had a, a previous relationship with Derek Rose, but I wonder when you guys do something like that, is there is there a bond now even to this day? If you see those guys, you're playing against them, you see them around a game, is that a connection that's just always there? Yeah, for sure, because we know how good we were, and uh, – you know, with me and Derek, you know, knowing each other in high school, we were once competitors and then we grew into, you know, good teammates during that one, you know, AAU season. And uh, we just, you know, we just wanted to get better and better. And it, and it is fun and enjoyable. But I think now after playing for so long, I think I enjoy it now, uh, my, you know, at my age now more than I did while I was playing during that time. So, uh, but we did know it was a great accomplishment to be there. Do you know who led the team in scoring in the first game that you played in that tournament? You did. You did. <laughs> no, I had a couple of games where I was leading scorer for sure. Yeah, that I... first game, you scored 16 on a team like that. You've been in the league for two years, and you lead the team, uh, that let's just call it, that version of a dream team in scoring. What an amazing experience. Walk us through, and I know, I think you got banged up in that tournament too, correct? No, no, I, I played. Did I you, played every. Um, what was it like getting the gold medal put around your neck at the end of that thing? 
uh, definitely meant a lot. It was definitely different hearing the national anthem when you wore the gold medal. Because, like I said, growing up, you, you watch stuff like that and you kind of dreamed of, uh, like, I, I remember watching the dream team, uh, the second dream team mostly. But it was, you know, I had dreams of being that guy. I think I was, I think I, I hopefully someday I was like, man, hopefully I'm, I'm good enough to, to be a part of that because that's something fun that I would definitely want to experience. And do you feel the enormity of that? You you know what it's like to represent your high school, Indiana University, professional franchise you're playing for, but d- does it feel different when you know it's for, for the entire nation? Does the enormity hit you when the anthem is playing? Oh, no question. I mean, you're representing the country and, you know, we talk about it all the time. And uh, so it's, we definitely wanted to make it much bigger than uh, – than us and you know try to represent the country and and uh show the country what they deserve so with the news that coach k is now retiring uh after next season you did get the chance to play for him like you said in that tournament what was it like playing for and this pains me to say it one of the greatest coaches who's ever coached as an indiana fan that's hard for me to say by the way let me get this out of the way he's part of the coaching tree that's He's part true. of the coaching tree. That's true. But should I, can we call you EJ? Cause that is your nickname, right? Right. Are we friends enough that we can call you EJ? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is more, <laughs> more, only people in Indiana call me EJ. No one, nowhere else outside of Indiana. I, but that means that we're like in, we're like in a special group if we call you EJ. Yes. All right. I do want to point out for the record that when I said, are we friends enough, there was some hesitancy. On your part. <laughs> That's fine. We're just getting to know each other. I get it. I'm fine with that. We'll earn it. We'll earn it or not. It'll be the opposite. So sorry. Go back. Coach K, just walk us through what he was like. He was great. You know what? The one thing I learned about here, how much of a great motivator he is and how he's just he's into letting you play. And I'm pretty sure he coaches like that in college. And um uh, you know, just a great motivator. You know, it's hard to coach, you know, NBA players and because we all have our own little different uh, styles of play, but to do it in a short period of time. And uh, and I think he's won a gold medal almost every time, except maybe once. And, um, you know, it only takes a spectacular coach to, to, to do all those things. Well, he learned from the best, the very best, no doubt about it. Um, now, when you're... Uh, sitting back wherever you were, I'm I'm uh, in Houston. I'm assuming at the time of the news coming across the wire that Coach Mike Woodson would be taking over at Indiana University. What was your reaction? How do you feel about the job he's doing so far? What's your optimism level as an Indiana Hoosier? You know what? I was very excited. I mean, we definitely needed to make a splash, and you know, to me. It's all about getting the recruits, man. You know, to me, it's, um, you know, if you want to get big-time players, they're going to want to play for a big-time coach. And good thing he has another good supporting cast with him as far as, far as coaching, good coaching staff around him. But to get those big-time players year in or year out, you need a coach that's uh, who, who's flexible to do a lot of different things during a game and able to get those kinds of players. And I just think, with him knowing about the NBA, he already knows about college and a guy that already knows how to be a star himself because since he's played in NBA and been on a high level, he just knows what it takes. He's, 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 he's done it in, at the NBA level. I mean, while I was playing, he, 
he took the Knicks as the number one seed. And I didn't think they were even the most talented team. So he knows what it takes. And, and uh, I think he's going to give Indiana a real shot and chance to be consistent year in and year out. Have you um, had any interaction with him over your years in the NBA, crossing paths with him when you play against his teams or any relationship from, from the fact that you're both Hoosiers? Oh, for sure. I always get excited when I see him, you know, he's always, uh, we always talk whenever I see each other. I, I do talk to him uh, a consistent amount now. And, uh, you know, I'm just ready to see how he, how he turns this uh, team around. Well, you're such an amazing ambassador for the program by what you've been doing on the court ever since you left Bloomington. It's still trippy for me, like how many times I've seen you shooting it from the outside or taking it to the hole in the time since you left IU and now here you are. Um, it's it's always fills us with pride to see you out there and doing so well. Has coach talked to you about, you know, getting back to Bloomington when your schedule allows to talk to the guys and impress upon them what it takes to to do what you did in Bloomington and what you've done since you left? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to actually I'm going to come down there and, you know, not just talk to the guys. I'm actually going I'm actually going to go down there and work out and play. You know, that's that's the main thing of how of how it starts. And, um, you know, the, and that's why I said I think Coach uh, Woodson's experience is going to is going to make a big play on how the program is going to is going to be, because I think he's going to get the right guys. As you can see now, this dude's I mean, Coach Woodson is bringing good talent, you know, some bigger guys and. Yeah. I really do think that's what it really takes to um, uh, to win the Big Ten. Now, when you go back and you play against those guys, you want to kill them, right? Like you want to show them, like you guys, this you you're not quite here yet. Oh, no question. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to really show them. This is what I will do to you on a day to day basis. That's how. <laughs> so, that, that's just that's just what I do. That's why I like. <laughs> well, let's. Let's go back a little bit to figure out the origins of what you do. And that's going back to your time growing up in Indianapolis, growing across, growing up across the street from a, a place that became really a, a special place for you, I think, the Jewish Community Center, where you played a lot of basketball. Walk us through what you remember about how you even were introduced to the game of basketball. Well, my dad introduced me to the game. You know, I, I, he sent me film the other day of me shooting a basketball when I was one years old. And and then we moved to around the JCC area uh, later on. And, uh, you know, the JCC was a special place for me. That was a place where I would, you know, after school, you know, when I get off that bus, I mean, sometimes I wouldn't even go inside the house. I would just run to the JCC and just start playing basketball. I was a true gym rat. I only looked forward to basketball and, you know, just started building friends at the JCC and because uh, that was that was really my home. I mean, I was there, I mean, every single day, all day. Now, mm -hmm. I, I got to ask this. Look, I'm Jewish. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, very close to the Jewish Community Center in St. Louis. That's where I played all my basketball. It didn't go the same way for me as it went for you, <laughs> but that's okay. But I am curious. I got to know, did you get any Jewish influences in your life? Like, did you eat matzo ball soup? Oh, no question. Yes. <laughs> oh, no question. Still to this day, I will. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So when you were growing up and, and a kid, I mean, you're playing basketball at one year old. 
Uh, who do you remember as the players that you looked up to? Were there college or NBA guys that, that were your guys? Um, well, I, you know what? I, I put it like this. When I looked up the players, I looked at, you know, different styles of play, you know, um, like for instance, I love like when I looked at NBA players, I look, I try to take some from like Penny Hardaway's game or maybe Jordan or maybe a, um, um, like a Chauncey Billups and I always try to get different styles of play, but, uh, but also along the way, you got to learn your styles of play too. And, uh, with me, it was all about three point shooting, being strong enough and athletic enough to always get to the basket. And, uh, but my dad taught me those things and, uh, and that's why it prepared me for whatever situation I was going to from, from when I was a kid to the NBA. It is extraordinary. I feel like you have one of the most distinguishable styles in the game where it's those two elements and you are so laser focused on doing one of those two things basically as soon as the ball is getting in your hands that's what's happening and and it's even more fun because basically nobody can stop you certainly not consistently i wonder when uh, as you're finding what your thing is when did you start to realize you're pretty good at this game and that basketball was going to figure into your life beyond the JCC. Yeah. Well, I, I think I was, I felt pretty good about how I was at a young age, more like 10 or 11. But when I knew that I could be a really, really good NBA player or make it to the NBA was right when I was like 14, 15, because I grew into my body and, uh, I remember going against Ron Artest one-on-one at the JCC sometimes. And wow. uh, when I felt like I can, I can keep scoring on him, and this is, this is when he won Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. And I was like, if I can score on this guy, uh, you know, consecutive times, then I, I, I should be able to make it. Wait, wait a minute. You're 14, 15 years old playing against grown man, lunatic Ron Artest at the JCC in, in Indianapolis? Me and him played one on one all the time. And what all was he like? What was he? Was he a good? I mean, everything I've heard about people that know him say he's a great guy. Is he is a great guy? You know, once you get to know him, and and uh, he he really is. I mean, we played against each other all the time, and I mean, he was rough and physical with me. I mean, he's a big dude, and uh, and uh, I told him, don't take anything lightly. If you gonna if you gonna let me score, then I'm gonna talk crazy. So it's, it's, <laughs> so. But at the end of the day, he's a great dude, and but he was a measuring stick for me. Wow. Well, and did he, he – I mean, he had to feel like he was mentoring you to a certain degree. Did he just recognize you as a good player in the community and and just want to see you develop? So he'd, he'd meet you at the JCC for some one-on-one? Yeah, well, I used to see him train by himself one-on-one all the time at the JCC, like train himself in the gym. Huh. And sometimes I would be up there at the same time with him. So one day I was like, man, right before I think went to high school, I was like, man, let me see how good I, I can, I am. So for a whole summer, we would, we, we would go one-on-one, you know, every other day or maybe once or twice a week. And I would go against them. It's very similar to my story. I played one-on-one against Andrew Askovich and uh, he had the old <laughs> Kurt Rambis. 
sports goggles. And he also played rough and tumble. And, uh, you know, it just helped me become a better player. Yarmulkes um, were flying everywhere. <laughs> you know, I am curious, EJ, uh, we know you're a gym rat and you've been that your whole life. Did anything else as a kid play into your life? Were you into cartoons or Star Wars or movies? Or was there any other thing that you got into or any other sport that you really got into? Well, I was big on fishing. I was a big fisher. My mom's from the Bahamas. And every time we went down there when I was younger, I always, that was the first thing. That was the most important thing I wanted to do. And uh, I was really into that. Of course, I did other sports growing up, soccer and um, and played football. But those are for short periods of time. And uh, I just look forward to, because I thought those, my parents thought those sports would help me uh, with basketball in the long haul. You ever Where's a good with Jerry yeah, Jeffries? Huh? Have you ever gone fishing with Jared Jeffries? Man, me and him been trying to plan that for a long time. And and, and I'm still going to try to figure out how we're going to get that done. We've been talking about that for years and years. And, uh, hopefully we can get that done at some point. Well, we, we invited ourselves to go fishing with him and, and he agreed, but we're still, we're still waiting. We're waiting for the call. He agreed, oh, but then he sure. never called us back. <laughs> Yeah, we need to make that happen. There needs to be a competition where we're on the same boat or on different boats and we go to the same area and see who can catch the most. Oh, and we'll come on and do color commentary and play-by-play -play for that. Oh, yeah. We'll, oh, I'm ready for that. That's Let's, for sure. We got to set that up. I love that. <laughs> All right. um, I, I do wonder, at you were a little bit too young to remember the prime coach night years, but how much were you paying attention to that that program down in Bloomington as a kid? Oh, I, I paid attention to it. You know, it, if he was still there and if, if he was still, co I mean, if he was still at IU during, even when I was, when I would have re reached high school, I would have played for him because the guy is all about winning and, you know, he's, he, he his style of play is for everyone. And, uh, and I think my style would have, would have translated just fine in his office. I, I I would think so. So um, you were you were you'd consider yourself an IU fan, certainly a Coach Knight fan as a kid growing up. No question. Yeah, he he was he was definitely a, a guy. I not because of you know how crazy it was, and not because it was winning. It was just majority of his style of play. He had a motion offense that everybody was moving the ball, and uh, he held everybody accountable. So you're at North Central, you play varsity all four years. And while you're also at North Central, you're also playing AAU basketball. Looking back at the talent that was in Indiana, just Indiana at the time that you were coming around, it is remarkable. I mean, we're talking about guys like Greg Oden and Mike Conley and Josh McRoberts. I mean, and, and there's a countless list of others. What was Indiana, both high school basketball and AAU basketball like for you during that time? I really do think it was at its best ever because, uh, I mean, in one county you had, and uh, when we had, when you had the, when you look at the Marion County, just that group, I mean, every every team had an NBA player. Whether you went to play against Brownsburg and you had Gordon Hayward or Carmel, you know, you know, Pike had Courtney Lee and uh, Jeff Tigg. So yeah. Everybody had a that you can look forward to, and the competition was high. And uh, with AAU, the thing that we did that was different was me, Mike Conley, Greg Oden, and 
Josh McRoberts was like, let's not just separate and go against each other. Let's be on one team and go around the country and, and beat everybody and show people how good we really are. Did you ever lose that team? In, a, in that four-year stint, I don't think we lost when we had a full group. I don't think we lost, but there, I think we only lost a total of two games in like four years. Wow. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting, though, and, and I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you've already talked about how Coach Knight, the thing you liked about him was he's all about winning, and clearly your AAU team, you're all about winning. And now it comes time for you to decide where you're going to go to school, you know, your sophomore, junior year, and you're being recruited. And the school that you grew up loving isn't doing a lot of winning, truthfully. And, and at the time, it doesn't seem like there's a real light at the end of the tunnel on how are we going to start winning. I'm just curious. Look, I know you've talked about this a lot and people ask you, but clearly, you know, you committed to Illinois your sophomore year verbally. But what were the... Was that whole winning thing just in your mind at that time? And, and did it hurt you to not be able to commit to Indiana? Yeah, it really was. Because uh, then when I saw, you know, Kevin Sampson coming around and, uh, you know, he played a major decision for me to go to IU. And then I looked at the team and I was like, man, if I go there and play with DJ White and have a point guard like Armand Bassett was there, you had a shooter that can either start or come off the bench and uh, Lance Stemmler. And then, then once I committed, then, then we had Jamarcus Ellis there. And then Jim, uh, Jordan Crawford was there, even though he came off the bench, he should have been a starter, but he can go in to score. But when we put that team together, we was like, man, we really have something. And I hate, you know, the, how that year ended. And, and after you look back, you know, Fans just look, it just made, they, you know, it just looks like a straight turmoil year when, um, when I, I guarantee you, if we would have had Coach Sampson throughout the whole season, the whole season, easy Final Four team. Wow. Well, let's, let's back up a, a little bit here because I do want to talk about a pretty special moment, which was you did the verbal commitment to Illinois. Kelvin Sampson, you know, Mike Davis has let go at Indiana. Kelvin Sampson comes in. And in November of 2006, you attend Hoosier Hysteria, or October of 2006, I want to say. You attend Hoosier Hysteria. It, speaking as a fan, it was the most insane thing that I've ever seen when it's not related to a game. I mean, the what was it like for you to be there in that building when you knew where you were leaning at the time and what were the fans doing to you during that during that event? Oh, trust me, it was crazy. Now it was <laughs> I ain't seen an environment like that, you know, where they were just constantly. It, it almost I almost made it almost made Midnight Madness about me during yeah. that whole. But uh, it, it it did feel great, and you know, like I said, as a kid, I've always wanted to go to IU. I had, I really wanted to, like I. I got pictures of me wearing IU shorts when I'm seven, eight years old. So that was something that I always uh, wanted to to do. And uh, and uh, so it, I'm glad it all worked out. Now, so are we. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. Now, to back it up a little bit, you did have a, a pretty good high school career. Yeah. And that idea of, of oh, oh, there he is you did have a pretty darn good high school career 
And, of course, all those great players, those great teams in Marion County. You're at North Central, the biggest school in the state. And when you do end up going to IU, you are largely representing the whole state at that point. Not Purdue fans. They don't really count. They might as well live in Illinois for all we care. Um, How do you talk about the experience of being a high school basketball player because you're you're going around the world you're going around the country playing with all these great players from from other places does it still feel to you after all this time that playing high school basketball in indiana is unlike anywhere else yeah for sure it seems like indiana might be the only state that teaches you 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 become a more well-rounded uh a more well-rounded player you know that's why i think there's a lot of players that are they have made it to the NBA because the competition was high and you're a well-rounded player. Like, you know how to, you, the skill level is there. And uh, when you make it to the NBA, of course, you have, you got to have the full package, but it's, it's always easier to get there when you have that, that skill set and that mindset to where you can have the skill and, and have the, that competition build up from, from high school to college and to make it to the NBA. But it, but it all started in, in Indiana. And when you are named Mr. Basketball, was that a goal of yours? I'm sure you're a team-oriented guy, but that is the crown jewel for an individual in high school basketball in Indiana. What did it mean to you? Oh, no question. That was definitely a monumental stone of mine. I wanted to be the best. You know, I wanted to win a championship every single year, but uh, in every game I wanted to win. And uh, so I was going to do whatever necessary it takes to be the best player on the floor and while my team wins. So that's what I was always looking forward to. So before you get to Indiana, let's talk about that Jordan Brand game. Because I remember watching it. And by the way, it was on my TiVo until my TiVo stopped working. And I watched that (laughs) thing a whole bunch. Um, You're you're named a Jordan Brand All-American. You play in the Jordan Brand game. It's on ESPN. And they make a huge deal about it because Michael's in the building and his son is playing on one of the teams. So when you're going into that game, is it in your mind, I'm going to show these guys something? Or do you treat it like every game? Or do you treat every game like that? (laughs) I I treat every game like that. I'm really trying to go into every game and show that I can be the best player, you know. Um, You know, of course, those, you know, those kind of all-star games are a little bit different, but... uh, you know, that was my first time playing at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was just a different, it was just a different atmosphere and show out there. So, um, but every game I, I play, I have the same demeanor. I have the same attitude and look forward to trying to be the best player. Did you meet Michael Jordan during that experience? You know, they, I met him, but, you know, never really got a chance to really talk to him because, you know, I think during that time he was the owner of the team and, you know, they wouldn't even really let you get a chance to really get to him. Yeah. Have you had a chance to get to know him at all in your NBA career? Yeah, 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 I have. I have. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to see him and talk to him as much at this point, but uh, but I, I did early on in my uh, career. So, yeah, I know him very well. How much did you love the documentary? Oh, his – of uh, – Last oh, dance. The, the oh, last dance. I mean, I thought it was great. You know, I don't think they really missed out much. And uh, I mean, that's that's who he was and who he is. So it's I thought it was spectacular. So Kelvin Sampson is hired at Indiana. What are the circumstances that you connect with Kelvin? 
do you do does your family reach out somehow does he reach out to you and do you remember what your first conversation with him was like um well I remember he recruited me when he was in at Oklahoma but I, I wasn't going to go there right. and uh he, he connected with my parents and really the first time we we talked and met up when I took a visit to Indiana he was straightforward and honest. Like, this is what, how we're going to play. This is what I want you to do. And I was always curious uh, because if you look at his, his, his background, like he's never had a, a, like a McDonald's all American or a five-star player, but this dude always wins every year. So I was like, man, if he, if I went there, you know, I felt like I can possibly elevate the team and possibly try to win it all. So that's how I kind of looked at it. And he showed me the ways of how he would use me and, um, and to, to be in a good team. So it's, so I, I liked his challenges and, and that's why I think we had a good team and, and he was allowing me to be good too. I've got to know, it just, it precedes the Hoosier hysteria, I think by about a month, you and Derek Rose did make an unofficial to Bloomington, right? Right. I'm just kind of curious how that trip went and how close were we to getting Derek too? Oh, well, that trip went great. I mean, we, me and him wanted to go to the same college and uh, I know it boiled down to IU or Memphis for him. And with me, it was almost like, you know, IU was always in the back of my mind, but I did like Illinois because they were winning and I liked their, uh, what was going on there. Especially but with they, guards. like Yeah, Deron Williams. Yeah, right. just come through there. But then I had to be realistic because those guys were going to be gone when I got there. Right. So I had to be realistic. And, of course, there was way more better talent at IU. Uh, better talent. I think overall everything was better. Coaching, every, the whole nine was, was better. Yeah, and you didn't want to spend a year watching Bruce Weber cry and whine and bitch and moan in that stupid <laughs> face all that time. You don't have to say it, EJ. I'll say it for you. Um, uh, that's all right. We got some revenge on him coming up in a little bit because, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. So your first game at IU, you play Chattanooga. Now, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Jeff Rabjohns, did give us a little, little behind-the-scenes info that maybe even though you approach every game the same way that that first game against Chattanooga you did want to make a statement is that true I did and that was probably one of the most nervous I've ever been before a game ever still to this day probably one of the most it might be the most nervous game I ever had yeah now, you had played, like you said, in Madison Square Garden. You played in state championship games. You played in giant AAU events. What was it about that day that, that made you that way? Just the energy, the expectation level, you know. You know, I, I knew people were ready to watch, uh, you know, watch me play. And uh, so I'll just never forget. I remember with uh, Coach Meyer, he was one of the assistant coaches. I remember, I think I, I was so nervous. I think I shot literally hours before the game. I think I had to make like six to 800 shots. That's how nervous I was. And wow. then I sleep for like an hour. Then I woke up still nervous. And then I think when I made that one three early on, I think I was just ready to go. And, wow. and what, what did that feel like the first time 17,000 Hoosier faithful 
were screaming for a made Eric Gordon shot. Oh, trust me. It was something that you can never forget. Cause I, at the time I never really played in front of uh, a hype hyped up crowd before. Yeah. I played in, yeah. The state championship game in high school was, I mean, we put, we did pack out at the time, uh, Conseco field house, but, yeah. um, the energy was just different. The, sure. the, the energy and expectation was much different at IU. By the way, I do want to, again, take a half step back here because you did do something special before the game against Chattanooga at Indiana. And you mentioned that your mom is from the Bahamas. Yes. You got to go on a foreign trip to the Bahamas with Indiana right before the season started. And yes. I'm curious what that was like for you going to visit a place that, that you know, you've got a real family connection. What was that whole experience like? Oh, it was great. You know, that was, uh, you know, when I signed with IU, you know, Samson told me that, you know, yeah, we're going to go down. And I, my whole family was down there. Yeah, so my whole family's still down there today. And uh, but it really it was really a, a treat, an awesome treat for my family to be able to see me play. Do you think it helped? We always hear about these foreign trips for, for college teams that it helps with bonding and, you know, uh, brings the team closer together. Does it? I mean, did it do that, or is it just about getting more practice time, really? Yeah, I think with our team, it was, you know, it was just more about getting around each other. We knew our how, how high ex, our expectation was, but it was just more of a fun time of us getting together more than just practice. So as this season starts to get rolling, and even previous to the games, I do wonder what was it like practically day-to-day um, being on a team coached by by Coach Sampson and this talent and DJ White, like how did how did you guys take all this prodigious talent and start to make it mesh? Well, yeah, I think Coach Sampson did a good job managing everybody uh, on that team because everybody was very talented and and uh, his practices were very hard. I don't think people understand how hard his practices are. If you go watch one of his practices, you understand why he wins all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a philosophy and, and he goes by it. And uh, and you see his teams win all the time, even when he's down here in Houston. So, so the good thing is he just didn't care how talented we were. He was like, your guys are gonna pray, practice so hard in the game to the point where the games are gonna just be easy. And you're just going to figure out and find a way to win. It's funny. That's what so many people that played for Coach Knight that we've had on the show, that is exactly what they say. They say practice was hard and games were the vacation. Right. That's, that's how they talk about it. So, by the way, Chattanooga, your first game, all that nervous energy. Do you remember what you did in that game? I did, I did have 30-something, I think. Yeah, 33 and seven three-pointers. So you seem to be okay with dealing with nervous energy. Um, I do want to ask about DJ White because I know, you know, he was the upperclassman at the time. You're the incoming freshman. He's got a heap of expectations on him as well, dealt with injuries in his career. And DJ's about as good of a guy as you can run across. We had him on the podcast and he talked just glowingly about you. And, And from what I've heard, you guys got pretty close that year. Tell us just a little bit from your perspective about what was DJ White like? Man, he was great. I mean, that was, he was one of the, he was a big reason to why I went to IU because you definitely need teammates. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to go somewhere. It was a focus just on me and because uh, I needed him and uh, I wanted him to do well as well. And uh, that's why he won big 10 player of the year. And 
and that's what he that's what he deserved. And so, uh, you know, about DJ White, you know, we all try to figure out ways to, you know, make sure he does well. I do well in the, in the team, and uh, you know, he you know he was a big glue to our team because he he was great defender, great offensively, and uh, he was like that guy that could piece our team all together and uh and he he allowed me to do what I do as a young player and uh just go out there and play and score he didn't care about the one thing I did love about and I think that really helped me was he didn't really care how much you know all the hype and stuff that I got because at the end of the day it really worked out for him and for him to win Big Ten player of the year so you know his ego wasn't involved his ego was to do well on the court and make sure the team does well and he was a true leader for that team. I wonder because, you know, our time in Bloomington was the greatest time in our life. It was four years. I wish I'd stretched it out a little bit longer. You were there for a relatively short amount of time and you were so focused on the game of basketball. Were, were you able to, to enjoy um, all the other things Bloomington has to offer, the food, any of the social activity, just walking around campus being Eric Gordon, everybody there so thrilled that you are the big man on campus. Did that did that get to happen at all for you? I did, but it wasn't as much as I it, it wasn't as much as I wanted to. Um, you know, the only time I really had to because I got to campus early, did summer school there, and that was my time to kind of venture a little bit. But I did stay the whole year, even after the season, and that gave me a little bit more. But I didn't have as much time as I really wanted to. That's why you got to go back now and spend some time down there. Cause I mean, you don't have to go to school. You just can go to the bars, eat and play basketball. Right. Right. Yeah. Go to my pizza place down there and I'll be, that's know. right. By the way, I just saw your pizza place was on bar stool. One bite. Everybody knows the rules. Pizza reviews. Did you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did check it out. I always hear about everything. So yeah, uh, it's cool. So, good thing. He, good thing he rated my pizza pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. How? <laughs> well, well, let's talk tell, about that. Yeah, How'd you get and, into that. Well, I've always liked pizza, and I, and I did like how Briggs Pizzeria, how they you know run their business, and uh, I got some good people that helped me run it, and they you know they really could do a good job helping me as I'm away, and uh, and uh, you know we're really trying to turn this thing into a big thing where we can start getting things going, but COVID really just really messed you know, slowed and messed up everything. So we're really, really trying to get a lot of activities and events going right before this football season coming up. So give us the the full plug for the listeners. Where is it at? What's it called? What, what do you recommend when they get there? Well, you can't miss it. It's right next, it's right across the street from the football stadium. You can't miss it. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to come down there and hang out with everybody once this football season gets up and rolling nice. and, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here to really branch it out because I don't think everybody knows about it yet because I haven't really done enough advertising for it, but it, it'll blow up here in the next couple months. Well, you got two pretty cheap advertisers for you right now. Like <laughs> we, we will blow this thing up for you. All we want is some pizza. That's it. That's oh, it. That you give us one free pizza, we'll give you a million dollars worth of free advertising. That's the business we run. <laughs> that oh, that will 
it'll be about 20 years of plugging it to add up to a million dollars worth of advertising on this show but you you, i do wonder were you able to keep an eye on what the football hoosiers were doing this last season because i think there's going to be a lot more people getting into that stadium this year than ever before no question i mean i like the energy around there their coach is good the football players are playing and that's what it that's what indiana needs to be about totally in football and basketball so listen we always hear from like freshman players that you know the game's got to slow down for them it takes some time to get your feet wet not you you go off you score 33 in your first game you score over 20 in each of your first seven games including three 30 point games you do unfortunately miss the kentucky game that that happens uh you you got hurt a little bit right and right. miss that game did that kill you to miss that game it did it did because uh, you know that's a major rivalry right there so it, it did but we won so i know it was that's when i i gotta be honest with you when we beat them and we beat them handily and i know they didn't have their best year but when we beat them handily without you i was like oh this team could go to the final four like this team is really good i mean because in years past if our best player went down like that would be it. But I'm like, we get Eric back. This team's going to be rolling and rolling. You did mm-hmm. started off 17 and one ranked eighth in the country. Um, you then hit a little bump in the road uh, when you play UConn and Wisconsin and you lose back-to-back games. And really when you look at like this little stretch, it's really the only stretch of games at Indiana until the very end where you had any kind of real struggle. And when I say struggle, you scored like 15 and 16 points instead of 25 and 26 points. But I'm wondering if you remember that stretch and do you remember it being a struggle and did it coincide with your wrist injury? My wrist injury was a, that was a tough one. I I mean, people don't really understand. I played with a broken wrist, the whole, that whole second half of the season. What do you remember when you injured it? Was it in practice or a game? Yes, in practice. And you broke it and just kept playing. All you had was tape on it. Yeah, I had a splint. It was like a hard splint, and uh, and I'm telling you, I I played with a broken wrist the whole that whole second half of the season. And I looked at my dad, and I remember he coming down, and he was like, "Dude," he said, "Dude," uh, to be honest, he said, "You need to keep playing." Really. Yeah, never missed a game. No, but wait a minute. But why? Because so many people in your position, EJ, would have been like, I got to shut it down. Because if I'm going to go to the pros, I don't want to do anything that would potentially hurt my stock. Why did your dad take the the position? And why did you that you got to keep playing? Was it just to because of the fans and the pressure on you, the expectations? Well, it was a high expectation, but... to, to be honest, it, it just didn't really make sense to sit out because if you're going to sit out, you might as well sit out the next four to six weeks. And then next thing you know, the season's almost over. But the thing is, I try to figure out ways how, of how I can, you know, do things. So I think uh, I remember, I think it, I broke it like on a Tuesday and we played Wisconsin, I think, on, on that Friday or Saturday. And when I was going through practice, I thought I was OK enough to play and um and then after that game, after playing that game, I think I did okay. And then, but after that, I just like, I just need to keep going and playing. Wow. Well, I, 
I think it's a good moment to talk about your father. You've already mentioned him, obviously introduced you to the game when you were still in diapers. Uh, what has his role been, obviously, as as your your father, the caregiver? Uh, but has he basically has it is it been a partnership throughout your career? Is he just always the one you turn to first with anything that's going on, good or bad? Oh, yeah, no question, because, you know, you it's all about fighting over every obstacle from when you're young as a kid to, to, to even now there's always obstacles. And I mean, there's probably even more obstacles now when you're in the NBA, cause you're dealing with, you know, politics, you're dealing with a lot of different things and uh, in NBA business, more mo money, more problems. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he's, he, he had me, he got me in a, he, he made a lot of things hard basketball wise to where, as I got older, there was just nothing that can phase me, whether it was a coach talking crazy or whether a teammate disliked me or, or however, however it played out, I was ready for any kind of adversity. That's what it really boiled down. And uh, I think that's what it takes to get to the NBA. It's all about being the best, knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're the best at and always overcoming adversity and, and, and getting over every obstacle at all times. I am so glad you set that up because it is the perfect setup for the game at Illinois. Because if there was ever a game that was filled with adversity, not just for you, but for your family, walk us through what you remember about that game, starting with, well, just the energy of getting into Champagne and what that was like. Just tell us, walk us behind the scenes a little bit of what you remember from that experience. Oh, well, it was crazy. I mean, it all started from when I was in high school. The day I committed and signed with, with, um, with Indiana, that day, I mean, you had fans calling, sending me emails, sending, calling the school principal, sending death threats. So my whole high school career, I had security guards taking me to the to every game uh, in high school, every single high school game from my senior year. And uh, they just kind of followed me around. And uh, so they started from then. And then when it built up to that week going into Champagne, you know, I always go into Kelvin Sampson, like, we can never lose to these dudes, never home or away, can never ever lose to these guys. And uh, that was my number one thing, you know, all the hype around it built up. I couldn't really worry about that, but it did feel different uh, when you hit that uh, court down there in, uh, in Illinois. So um, it was definitely a brutal and tough game. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's take it a little bit moment by moment because well, well, before the moment you're going to get to your family, I don't know how many family and friends decided to wear got Gordon t-shirts to the game, right? That's correct. Like, uh, like that is, is that just sort of saying, we know what's coming at us. So let's take it to them too. Like just to show that you're undaunted. Oh, for sure. You know, of course, cause they were pissed off just like how I was. We wanted to win. We wanted to show that we, I mean, we did what we, what we were supposed to do and that's it. And I knew, you know, I knew during the game, you know, they threw stuff at my at my at my family, you know, threw popcorn, threw drinks, and all that. And security let was letting them do it. And uh, mm. I think they had to hire security for my family during that game too. So 
it was just a really hectic game. But at the end of the day, that when I hit that bank shot, that that really did it for me because I did not want to ever lose to those to those guys. Did you have any concept of what was going on to your family during the game, or were you too locked into what was happening on the court? No, I did. I did a little bit when I I remember. Uh, I heard something when I was getting ready to shoot free throws that somebody threw something and then I glanced over and I see people, you know, my dad or my mom looking around and I was like, I was like, Oh, I know something's going on, but you know, I just knew things were just going to be hectic all the way through. And, you know, you got fans talking crazy. I mean, you had friends saying, Oh, we're going to kill you after the game. And I mean, you heard everything, everything. And, and it was relentless all game. From the time that security started for you, your senior in a high school year, to this, were you ever genuinely scared? No. Never. You, you, now, were your parents ever scared for you? Um, I, I, it caught my mom off guard, I, yeah. I would say. Her and the rest of my, I think it kind of caught them off guard about stuff like this. And But my dad, he was already, he's, he's headstrong, so he, he knew nothing was going to really happen. Please right. tell me this story is true that I heard that at some point during your ga the game, your father was just fed up, turned around, and just gave the whole Illinois crowd the double bird. Can <laughs> confirm he did the double flip off? Well, I never heard that, but it's 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 possible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise you. <laughs> All right, so walk us through. Look, you know the game's about to start. Starting lineups are being announced and Dimitri McCamey and you uh, meet each other at half court, and that chicken shit son of a bitch uh, takes a cheap shot oh, at it you. Was Chester, it was Frazier. Chester Frazier, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I hate both of them. I hate them all. They all are the same to me. Bruce Weber, all of them. They're all the same hateable entity. But Chester Frazier gives you a cheap shot shoulder right to your chest. You, the, one of the amazing things about you, and I understand it now a little bit from your dad and training you, but you never got worked up, ever. Like you were so even keeled. Even in that moment, you almost just like laughed it off. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was going through your head when it happened? It, it, was, it was definitely shocking. I mean, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. Uh, especially from a dude I used to hang out with whenever I did go to Illinois. Illinois. I used to hang out with Chester Frazier all the time. And um, so when for that to happen, you know, I was like, okay, when he did that, I was like, okay, you, you guys are for sure going to lose tonight. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no way there's absolutely nowhere I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get phased out, but by, by not winning. Well, and they, they just hired that SOB back onto their bench and Underwood was saying, yeah, he loved that he did that to you. As if we needed any more reason to hate Underwood and those guys. Oh, I read that today and I was like, oh. Did you ever talk to him after that? You and Chester Frazier? Do you ever have a conversation afterwards? Nope, never seen them after, after that. Ever have a conversation with Bruce Weber? No. I, yeah, bet, I, I bet I bet they've I think I might have talked no I never talked to Bruce Weber after that no I, I bet I bet they've watched you a bunch on TNT and ESPN ever since <laughs> well they can keep on doing that I guess <laughs> that's right all right so listen unbelievable season you guys are crushing it you're a top 10 team and then the news really gets crazy about Kelvin and and the, the the surrounding controversy on the phone calls and everything what do you remember about just 
before they made the decision to part ways, what was the pressure of that situation like on you as a player and your teammates? What do you remember about that? Well, it just threw everything off. I mean, it threw everything off. I mean, he was the reason why, you know, we went there to IU and, uh, you know, all the expectations were there. We were meeting them. And, uh, and I think right at the point where he got fired, I was, I would think during that time we was really hitting our stride to see how really good we can be. And when, when all that happened, it just kind of threw everything off, you know, um, you know, how they went about it. You know, they, they made Dan Dockage the coach, but, you know, Dan Dockage was, you know, he wasn't around our team the whole, whole season. It didn't really feel like. And because uh, uh, I think he really came out around more when they let uh, Cinder off, one of our assistant coaches, when they let him go. And so you're bringing in a guy who has different concepts, totally different concepts and, and almost just about everything much different than uh, Kelvin Sampson than rather taking a, a coach that he already has. That's already familiar with he, with what he does. And it just took off, took out all the energy from us. Cause you know, our team, you know, we have a emotional, we have, like I said, we have a talented bunch of group of guys that, that, you know, that we, we just took, we just had our, we just did everything and took our time and did everything with, with Sam. Well, it's funny you bring that up about you being at the peak because I, I actually went to that Michigan State game in Bloomington where Michigan State was ranked ninth. This was like his second to last game right before Purdue. Right. You beat number nine ranked Michigan State in an emotional game and you beat them handily. And then you beat number 15, Purdue, which also the only time you got to play Purdue in your career. So that had to feel really good. But it is at this time where it's the end of the Kelvin Sampson era. Um, when they actually let him go, how did you find out that they were letting him go? I really didn't. They just they just came out of nowhere and just told us that he were going to let him go. And players, we were really trying to figure out. Uh, what was going on and we really never got a real reason mm. well and clearly coach Sampson was the reason you were all there and you were yeah. meshing and playing so well together on the court but clearly there was different priorities and some discord off the court for some of the team and 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 the players and you you ended up moving off campus is that right to to just and I'm not sure exactly when that happened, but but was it something that when Coach Sampson left, it was on the court, off the court, everything that he'd held together just sort of unraveled, and and did you need to just kind of get away to be able to focus on on what you needed to do to get through the rest of that season? Well, it was tough every day and every game. You know, it was really tough. It was really hard to uh, for our team to really come around and uh, you know. Um, try to get back to the expectation level like like we had when Sampson was there because, um, you know, when Dockage took over, you know, like I said, guys didn't come to play for Dan Dockage and and um, and he came with a totally different philosophy too. So, you know, the expectation for a level for us was like, man, I mean, we, 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 were, we were in shambles and it was hard to, for us to even win any kind of game all the games were close and it was hard for us to win any, any other game after that. So we just knew our season just wasn't going to be as spectacular as it should have been. That team, I mean, 
you had three bona fide NBA players on that team. I mean, you, DJ, and Jordan Crawford. Crawford had a, a little nice run in the NBA and, and, and scored in the NBA. There was a ton of talent on that team. I cannot, because it hurts my heart, talk about the Minnesota Big Ten tournament game. I can't do it. So yeah. we'll just go past that. And I, wanna, and I don't want to talk too much about the Arkansas game either, but I do have to ask this. And uh -huh. this has given us a lot of time, but I got to ask this. Did you think DJ White was going to knock Dan Dockage out at halftime? Did you think he was actually going to throw hands? Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, and I wish he did. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he did. Oh, man. Oh, He's going it. to, but hey, I wish he did. So, hey. So, obviously, that season didn't end like we wanted it to you wanted it to really that team deserved to have a, a miraculous run in the tournament because you had the talent and clearly the focus but you should know from a fan perspective that we all still look back at that team and and we know how it ended but as one of the great Indiana teams. Like in the post-night era, there have been very few moments or seasons where we were so filled with pride and excitement. And no matter how it ended, what you guys were doing and what we got to watch will always remain with us. And we're very grateful and very proud for the time you put in there. And, and certainly that pride continues every time we see you take the court in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Eric, I, I do want to just echo what Ward said. You are one of our favorite players of all time. The only sadness we have is we didn't get to see you play more, but I do feel like mm -hmm. we've gotten to see you play 82 games a year for the last 12 years. So it's helped me uh, soothe that. Mm -hmm. But the way you carried yourself that season amidst the turmoil, the way you have carried yourself since, the way you've continued to represent IU, we love you, man. Hoosier Nation loves you. And there's nothing we want more than to see you back in Assembly Hall for it or at Memorial Stadium eating Eric Gordon pizza, Greek pizza at both Assembly Hall and Memorial Stadium. Let's make that happen this fall. <laughs> oh, let's make it happen, man. Appreciate you guys. That was a guest. That was a guest. Look, man, you know, we did a reasonable rabbi recently, Ward, where you said that of the modern era, which we were counting since 2000, and I think you could go back further, truthfully, that Eric Gordon was the best player to play at Indiana University. Yeah. And, and Rabbi agreed with you and even said, it's not close. And it's not. I mean, when you start going through what he did in his year at Indiana, there is only one other comparison that even makes sense. George McGinnis. And George McGinnis wasn't a freshman. You know, I mean, remember, George McGinnis right. had a year where That's he had a good point. So he was Very a year point. older, and he got to play against those guys in open gyms and, and practices. And it was a different game then. What Eric Gordon did in a Big Ten conference, by the way, that was knee-deep in bully ball, as we saw game after game, to average 21 points a game as a freshman that's to do it with a broken wrist yeah, that's four more points a game than calbert cheney the all-time leading scorer uh in the big 10 did as a freshman and and the wrist being broken if i knew it was actually broken i i i don't remember it it actually being told that it, it, there was a fracture no, they never sold, told us that they never told us that in fact they always downplayed it oh it's not that big of a deal he's just got some tape on it 
Like they never played it up and he never bitched. He never complained. He never whined. He didn't sit out when he, you know, he had to sit out the Kentucky game because he got really hurt. But I, I just love his attitude. Like, you know, we talk a little bit about it with Tamar Bates. One of the things we liked when we, when we got to talk to him and, and meet him a little bit was this, forgive me, but Mamba mentality, you know, which, which I always equate to its MJ mentality. Right. That's where Mamba got it from. Right. I'm the best player on the court. And if you're playing against me, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to use every game as a way to tell you that I'm the best player. And it, it shows you how we normal people operate and how people at that level operate of we're like, oh, were you like getting, were you really up for that game? Because Michael was there because the Illinois crowd, it was like, like all the other games, sure. Like it's just uh, it's a thousand percent all the time. But Ward, I mean, can you imagine? You're a senior in high school, and you're getting death threats, and your family has to deal with that. You've got a mom and a dad and brothers, and that's weighing on you. You go to play at Indiana, where the expectations on you, the only Damon Bailey giant expectations, obviously, maybe the greatest ever in the history of Indiana. I would say Romeo Langford up there with the yep. amount of expectation and Eric Gordon. Yep. Those are the three that I put at that, at that level. Mm-hmm. You go to Indiana where all that is on you. The turmoil of your coach is stirring really from the moment you get there. I mean, Before. we didn't get into it in detail. But- from the time Kelvin Sampson got hired, people didn't want him there. True. And I can't imagine they weren't aware of that on some level. But even publicly, it escalated right after Hoosier hysteria. Right. That that's year, right. It like really escalated. So that's on your plate. And then you go to Illinois, where you know your family has to have security. And during the game, you're looking over and seeing that something is happening to your family. And he's still locked in and competing every second and wins that game and and said to Samson, we ain't losing to these guys. I just (laughs) love it. I, he is such a cool cat on the court that you don't, I don't think guys like Rabbi that followed him in AAU, I think knew it. They did. I mean, Rabbi's talked about it. I didn't. I didn't know that fire that he has underneath that intensity. And I love it. It just makes me love him even more. That It's the single-minded determination to be the best and to win the game. And everything that, that goes into that, putting up six or 800 shots before you take a nap, just, just to work out some nerves. I did think it was so endearing that he still feels to this day he's never been more nervous than his first game in assembly hall before chattanooga yeah yeah that's and that's no, really special it's also endearing that he says i kind of wish you would have knocked him out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean just the honesty like just the honesty like he didn't give a bs answer he yeah awful on it he was like no no i wanted that to happen like <laughs> yeah. i mean it's um yeah, look, he's he is a uniquely special talent that that played at Indiana University. He, I thought Romeo was going to be at that level, and Romeo was not. I mean, Romeo was not at Eric Gordon's level. Damon Bailey was not at Eric Gordon's level. Like well, said, and I, I do. I, I don't think... know who the better player was for for his freshman year. There isn't. You have to go back to George McGinnis. I honestly well, think that's what you have to do. 
and and you could see as a freshman what you still see in his game today in the NBA, which is what we're talking about here, which is determination. Like he's gonna get that shot. He's gonna get to the rim. And basically nothing is going to knock him off his path. No. And you know what? If he misses 10 in a row, he's going to shoot 10 more. Like there's just a cool confidence to him that, that has been instilled by nature and nurture with his dad. I mean, I love the idea that his dad set things up to be hard on purpose for him so that no matter what adversity came his way and who the hell knew what adversity would be coming his way in just you know, six months at Indiana University, he was prepared for it and he never wavered. And the the shame of the administration at that time, and and I blame the AD, Rick Greenspan, I blame the president, Adam Herbert, I blame the board of trustees. Those kids and the fans deserved better than the way they ended that year. They could have still fired Samson at the end of the year. There, yeah. there was no reason like th- this was not going to be a case of them pulling the, the banner down. If you won one, I mean, they don't do that for making phone calls like that. That isn't what was going to happen here. And those kids deserved better than the way it ended. And it's interesting to hear, you know, we heard this now from Roderick Wilmot and we've heard it now from Eric Gordon that I think people think that Kelvin was allowing this like lunacy to happen Look, there was stuff going on that I don't think a lot of people would approve of. But the team was fairly tight-knit until Kelvin went away. Yeah. And then it exploded, and you brought it up. And he admitted it. It just, we were in shambles. On yeah. the court, off the court. Dockage came in and tried to install a motion offense, truthfully, have, you know, three quarters through the year. But off the court, these guys, and we know this, that Kelvin Sampson was a father figure to many of these kids. Now, Eric Gordon was blessed and fortunate enough that he didn't need that kind of coach. But Armand Bassett talked about it. Roderick Wilmot talked about it. And now that guy is gone and replaced by this kind of authoritative guy that you don't know at all and doesn't speak to you, you know, in the way well, that, 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 that you, you respond to. Well, and we love... Dan Dockage, in part because he's a complete lunatic. We we bond over that character trade. But how crazy do you have to be for a team that was performing at that high level to try to get them to change the way they play together as a team three quarters of the way through the season? Yeah, it's crazy. Although I do look, I know some people will hate this. I give him a little bit of a pass because we were in California when that was happening. I went back for the Michigan State game when the fervor around Samson was like, he's going to be fired at any second. That's what it was. And the stress and tension that existed in that building from a fan's perspective was insane. I mean, I've never felt anything like that. And But all the more reason just to roll the ball out onto the court and say, guys, just keep doing what you were doing. Maybe, but there was so much pressure on everyone that – I'm sure Dan thought things were falling apart even before they let him go. And this was his way of trying to impose some structure to like, again, it didn't work Ward. So I, you know, results are what matter, but I cut him some slack in that. It was an insane situation that nobody should have been put in. They shouldn't, they should have just ridden out the season and then made a decision in the off season. I, so I, I, 
I hesitate to just say, look, I'm not a college coach and to be thrown in that situation and say, go save the season. It, it did feel like things were falling apart, even though the team was winning. It felt awful. It, oh, I remember yeah. Kelvin Sampson walking off the court and I was sitting in the seats behind the basket and he walked off the court. And I remember going up to him after the Michigan state game where we won. And I remember the moment of like, what do I say? Do I tell him to hang in there? Do I congratulate him? Do I boo him? Cause there were people doing all of those things. Most were cheering at that moment. Cause we just beat a top 10 Michigan state team. And it was a hard, it was just a tense moment for everyone. So I'm sure that tension and stress affected everybody and made people do things that they probably all look back and regret in their heart of hearts. Yeah, I get it. Uh, he, he endorsed you, so you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, Eric Gordon is awesome. The fact that he wants to get back and go for some and run with these guys. And show oh, what real basketball is about. How excited that that make you. He's like, no, 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 I'm not just going to talk to him. I'm going to go kick their ass. Yes. And Mike Woodson, you know, Indianapolis guards, you know, like went on to the NBA for long careers. There's a, there's a bond there. And I love Woody being like, no, no, that's what you're going to do. We're bringing you back. And it reminded me, Ward, of what AJ, or was it AJ Guyton who told us? Or... No, I think Isaiah told us that Isaiah went back and played against A.J. Guyton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and went after him. Yep. Went after him. Picked his pocket. Yeah. You know, dove after the ball on the court. Like, that's <laughs> what Coach Knight was doing. Isaiah, come back and play with these guys. I've got a good guard. Show them what a great guard is. Yeah. And the idea that Mike Woodson would have guys like Eric Gordon, and hopefully he'll reach out to guys like Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo, you know, what? I didn't, I didn't, well, it's part of his NBA career. Cause I, I do, I did have an interaction with Eric, with EJ. I was very much looking forward to sharing with him, which he definitely won't remember, but he'll remember the event. So I'll put that in my notes for next time uh, that this guy's a, a Hoosier. And we've heard this from Rabbi and from others that here's a guy who is in Bloomington for a brief stop. I'm sure it helped that he grew up an IU fan, but he had these few months in Bloomington, they ended terribly for all involved, but he still loves IU so much. He's opening up a pizza shop across from Memorial Stadium. He's going to be back there as soon as all of our coach now, Coach Woodson calls him back to be a Hoosier. He was rocking his old school Hoosier swag. Like it, it means so much that a guy who's gone on to play at the highest level and make ungodly amounts of money that he's still a Hoosier at heart. It's, it's, it's so exciting. I didn't look this up, but I wonder how many Indiana Hoosiers, if any, have won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award. I don't know. I have to look that up. I can't think of any others. I and will tell you. Indiana Hoosier ever won the NBA three-point contest? I don't think so. No. That's amazing. I I mean, that's amazing. Well, and, and, you know, I was a little too young and the NBA wasn't on every night like it is now. So I didn't see Isaiah play that much, you know, playoffs and stuff. And so there is no Indiana player I've watched play more 
in the NBA than Eric Gordon for a very long time. And we'll get into it, you know, on part two, but, you know, especially with, with the Harden and the Westbrook and the Chris Paul teams that he's been on in Houston over this last great long run, it's just like, it was such a trip. To, to have him on the show because I'm like, I'm normally watching you in my living room. Yeah. Like a few weeks ago, I was watching you in my living room. And you've seen him play basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're creepy. What? <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story that I have with Eric Gordon uh, when he signed with the Clippers? So uh, does doesn't sound familiar. He gets drafted by the Clippers and I buy season tickets because I want to watch Eric Gordon play basketball. I was so in love with him. And um, I got, because I was a season ticket holder, I got, you know, emails from the, the Clippers ticket office about doing a Clipper event at some auto dealer. And they were doing a, a Clipper event at a Kia dealership in Simi Valley. <laughs> Which, for those of you who don't know, it's just really far away. It's nowhere close. Really out there. And I had, at the time, this was 2000, I mean, this is 2008, right? When he mm -hmm. signed with the Clippers. So my son, Julian, was like just over a year old. I'm like, Mandy, we got to go to this Kia event <laughs> and meet Eric Gordon. I'm like, oh. I don't know what it is. I've seen the picture. Yeah, there you go. So we get in our candy stripes. We put Julian in his like onesie or, you know, little shirt that he had. I'm wearing my candy stripes. I got my IU jersey on. Mandy's got her IU gear on. And we go and his eyes just light up when he sees oh. three people walking at him with IU gear. And I'm like, listen, just a big fan. You mind if I take a picture of you holding my baby? <laughs> and he's like, sure. And he just, he's holding him very uncomfortably, smiles. <laughs> and that became my Facebook profile when I was on Facebook. And then my Facebook account got hacked and I've never been able to get back into it. So whoever, oh, there's an Eric Pankowski account out there, at least there was a couple of years ago that somebody was using with that picture up. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. And the, the I need to like, it's just a little profile pic. I can't even access the photo anymore. And the photo was taken on some camera years before I had like a computer that I- Screen grab. You got to get a screen yeah, grab. It's just a thumbnail. <clears throat> I don't think it clicks open to a big one. I, I don't know where that photo is. It's like the only photo that exists is by some like, you know, Serbian hacker that's using <laughs> my name to do like vote farming or something for Facebook. <laughs> but he's just such a- um, He's such a good dude. He's such a good guy. And he is a Hoosier through and through. And I'm telling you, I think Indiana's had two one and dones. Two. I think it's George McGinnis and Eric Gordon. I don't think we've had another one and done. And when I mean one and done, I don't mean one and transfer. I mean one year of playing basketball and go right to the pros. Yeah, because Isaiah was two. Jeffries was two. Victor was three. Cody was Cody two. Was two. Jay Edwards was two. Oh, yeah. no, Noah Vonley. Noah Vonley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Noah right. Noah Vonley was right. one and done. Thomas Bryant was two. Noah mm -hmm. Vonley. But I mean, when you're talking about George McGinnis, who again was a sophomore technically, and Eric Gordon, I mean, Eric Gordon is the only IU freshman to ever score 20 points a game. And he led the entire conference in scoring as a freshman.
it's it's one of those where when you extrapolate it out, you're like, well, he, he very well could have been the greatest IU player of all time. You know, if you put you do different time, yeah. Um, but like, it, I mean, by by a different era, meaning that he would stay for multiple years, right? Exactly. If he'd been there the whole time, but it also makes you feel so lucky that he did get to come to IU and that, you know, that he wanted to and circumstances were uh, played out just right, you know, and, and I'm sure it helped that, that coach Sampson hired his dad's college coach and family friend um, to be there and make that feel, you know, more, more secure and welcoming and more family-like and know that he would be taken care of there. But we were just so lucky to have him the brief time we did. And now as like the ultimate ambassador at the next level ever since, it's just like that. That is something that Tom Crean, Archie Miller, and now Coach Woodson have all been able to point to. And even if they can't take credit for getting him there or coaching him while he was there, that's still the pinnacle of what an IU basketball player can be um, for, for anybody, you know, any of these kids coming up now, you know, yeah, they can remember a couple good seasons of Vic and Cody's been a stalwart performer for Charlotte and he's about to get a new contract somewhere. But Gordon's been the one that if you've watched the NBA for the last decade plus, you know who he is, you know his game, you respect his game. He's been inescapable as far as a, a figure at the highest level of basketball. How about this? Since Eric Gordon played for Indiana 2007-2008, Put together your starting five for Indiana. Including him? Yeah. Yogi Ferrell at the one. Mm-hmm. Him at the two. Eric Gordon at the two. You can put Vic at the three if you want. Sure. You can put OG at the four. And you can put Cody at the five. And then coming off the bench, you have Thomas Bryant. Backup five. You got Juwan Morgan. Backup th- four. Noah's, yeah, I mean, Noah's done some stuff. Noah yeah, could be I mean, in like, the rotation. There's been some special players that have come through, but but Eric Gordon, um, you know, he deserves to be mentioned along with guys like George McGinnis, who had short careers but made an incredible impact at, at Indiana. And I just – I keep going back to they deserved better than how it ended. So uh, we'll do a part two with them. Really great. Yeah, they they deserve better than ending up on this show. They do. I mean, it's really a sad, sad footnote on their career, as it is for all. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but the sometimes. Why? Why? I blew through it. I just. I know. I was like, it. wasn't I supposed to be talking already? <laughs> through it. All right. We'll be back at you next week. Who's your man to lead us? Who's not a total dud? Who's your brother bleeding? Crimson blue blood Who's your man demanding What you want and more Who's you gotta get us Back to the final four We got to vote for Eric Man for you and me We all trust in Eric Future trustee If you wanna see the candy stripe Back in the promised land You best just vote for Eric Cause I know Who's your man?